baby got backlog. You were recording a podcast with your pals the other day. Is your metronome on? No, I actually remembered to turn it off. I'm so proud I of you. I thought about leaving it on on purpose just to be like, ah, oh, Jesus, like every time. <laughs> like it's just a new bit for the, <laughs> for the show. Yeah, that every time I'm like, ah, oh, my metronome. And then eventually people are like, you're obviously doing that on purpose. We know. We know. But I didn't. So you're welcome, everyone. Speaking of welcome, welcome to Baby Got Backlog. It's the show where we give each other games that they've never played, and then we come and we talk about them. Yeah, so uh, we each bring a game to the table to play that we were given by the other, uh, and we've never played it, and then we talk about it, and we discuss it. And uh, it's ev- I've been meaning to say this. It's every other Friday. Um, that's when we drop episodes. So please subscribe if you want to hear us every other Friday. Be idiots. Talk about games. It's fun. It's great. It's a great time. Not to sometimes his metronome is on, sometimes it's not. Yeah, I know. This might be the first one ever that it's not. I'm so proud of myself. You know how people post on Facebook and they're like, I'm so proud of myself. That's what I'm doing right now. (laughs) Like, I'm so proud of myself for not having my metronome on when I'm recording my podcast. You know? I've just come such a long way since episode one. (laughs) Oh, God. All right. I'm so proud of you for having a five-episode arc. (laughs) So, uh, oh, by the way, I'm Andy. I'm Trevor. And uh, let's go ahead and get into it. You ready? Oh, this is going to be a big, big, heavy, not heavy, hefty episode. Yeah, everybody buckle up because this is maybe the most exciting episode we've ever done. At least for me, I've been looking forward to recording this for a real long time. Um, So today I'm talking about the uh, God of War, the 2018 release for PlayStation 4. Oh, and I'm talking about Undertale, which was released in 2015, 16-ish. Somewhere in there. Maybe even 14. Um, Yeah, which are both, they're both huge deals, these games. Like, they're not... They're not small fish, all right? This is big fish, these games. They're huge deals. You know? Big fish. Big, big, um, big fish fries. Big delicious fish fries. Uh, they get beer battered with lemons and the whole nine yards. Yeah, they got, uh, you know, they got the, uh, the breading on the outside. We have to abandon this bit. This is going nowhere. <laughs> I love this bit. It's so super. <laughs> We got uh, here today, we got, um, it's fish, it's fried, it's uh, big, and that's just what we do for 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, the, so the episode's two hours, and an hour and a half of it is us running with this bit. Yeah. Um, anyway, but like, actually though, like we're standing outside of like a, like a mom and pop restaurant, and we're like, we got great fish fries every Friday, but it's, it's um, they're big, there's like a little lemon... It's uh, it's fried. <laughs> you get your choice of French fries or coleslaw. And did we say the part about the fish being fried? Yeah, we said that part. Oh, yeah, that's it's a fish fry. Cause it's fried. Okay, God. Okay, <laughs> before. Okay, we're done. We're done. <laughs> before we get into the games, uh, we did have one piece of gaming news. It's not like a huge piece of gaming news, but on itch.io, itch.io. <clears throat> 
there is a bundle going on to uh, support Ukraine. Um, if you purchase the game bundle, they donate a portion or maybe all of it to uh, charities in Ukraine to support the war efforts over there. Um, and it's something like close to a thousand pieces of media. I don't think they're all games. Some of them are comic books or audio files and stuff, but the bulk of it is games. Um, some notable ones being A Short Hike, which we talked about, is on there. Um, Cross Code mm. is a big one. Trevor apparently played... Super Hot is on there. Oh, yep, Super Hot. Uh, Trevor played one called Skatebird. So anyway, it's $10. It's like 900 video games. It's the best deal you could ever imagine, and it supports Ukraine. So check it out. Yeah, do that. Support a cause. Get some cool games. Yeah. Um, itch.io does great stuff with that. I remember they had one for Black Lives Matter um, a couple years ago that was similar. It was like 800 games or something ridiculous for $5. Like, it's it's pretty cool that they do that. That's very cool. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So, um. I think I want you to go first today with your Baby Got Backlog, if that's cool. Hey, let's do it. Um, so go ahead, tell us. We, we've also decided to break up the show into kind of two segments. The first segment, we're going to be talking about our games spoiler-free. So if you've never played these games, um, no spoilers, nothing that'll ruin your experience, just to kind of like do a fresh take. And then if you want to listen at the end is when we'll be doing our full discussion with spoilers, no holds barred, all of that stuff. Indeed. So without further ado, here's my spoiler free talk about undertale. Uh, listen, wait, there's further ado. <laughs> what's a, what's a do? What's is your refrigerator running? <laughs> It literally, I don't know if you heard it. I heard it through my headphones. <laughs> it is kind of humming. <laughs> no, I just wanted to see what you would do if I stopped you and said, wait, there's further ado. And you stopped and in the most genuine way made me look like a jerk because you were like, oh, this seems serious. Well, for a second, I thought, oh, no, did I forget something that we needed to talk oh, about? No. OK, Undertale. <laughs> so you're a jerk. Got it. Uh, Undertale, spoiler free, here we go. Listen, uh, this game, this game reminds me of, do you remember those choose your own adventure books? Yeah. This game reminds me of that, but like not in a telltale, telltale series way, like the walking dead, like in a very different way. Um, cause I, I don't think it's a spoiler to say like this game has different options for you to do things and like different outcomes of certain things and different dialogue for certain things. Yeah. I think, um, I think at this point, the game is so widely known that it would be so hard not to know that about the game going in. Right. Um, mm -hmm. In fact, it's the tagline for the game is something like the RPG that you can complete without killing anyone. Like, that's the title of the, you know, the tagline. So. Oh, yeah. Okay. See, that I, that I didn't know, but I did know that you can do that. Yeah, that is really the reason that when I recommend this game to people, I feel like it's not a spoiler to say that you shouldn't kill anyone because the game puts it in the tagline and they advertise it strongly. So, But yes, please continue. Right. Uh, so it just it reminds me of you know a game that would have been made in, like in the late 80s, early 90s, and they were like, hey... Video games are becoming a thing. Let's take 
uh, choose your own adventure book and make that like one of these games. And that's, that's what it feels like. And for that to be a modern game, like feels very, I don't want to say fresh, but it, it, it is. Yeah. It's, I don't want to, I don't want to say it's fresh, but it is fresh. Yeah. It's fresh. It's, uh, I would say it's safe to say that no game has done what this game does. Yeah, I I would agree with that. Yeah, and it oh it sounded like you were gonna say oh something. I was gonna say just tell us about like what what do you do in the game like who do you play as what how's the gameplay what's it like so the the like plot is you you are a human and you fall into the under do they call it the underworld underground yeah. it's the underground uh, where all the monsters live who were banished there or like kept there by like this thing that happens and you don't really know what that is when the game starts. Um, so you play as a human and you're basically trying to get out of the underground, but you meet all these, you know, quirky characters and all these monsters, uh, most of whom want you dead. Yes. Cause which they hate humans. Yeah. And you know, as a sidebar, Gameplay wise, it reminds me of uh, of an old Pokemon game. Really? How so? Like it's very well. A, it's kind of random. Yeah. So you know, you're just walking around, and then all of a sudden, like there's a monster, and then you can fight the monster. Right. Uh, so I, I mean, in, you know, in the most basic of ways, does it remind me of a Pokemon game, an early one? Yeah. Um, and I mean, you know, it's an RPG, so like, it's like one of those monstery RPGs. Yeah, it's just as you're saying it, I'm realizing how obvious that is, and I never put two and two together. Like, I'm I'm just looking at you in awe. Like, wow, of course he's right about that. <laughs> I never realized it. <laughs> that actually makes me happy because I felt weird saying that because it was so glaring to me that like, yeah, this is like an early Pokemon game as far as combat is concerned. So I'm glad that you're like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I guess the thing that it is an RPG, it always stands out to me though, because it feels like most of what you do in gameplay wise is dodging stuff. That's like, which it is a turn-based RPG, but so much of what you're doing is avoiding things in the battles, you know? Right, and for that reason, like it doesn't feel like Pokemon. So, uh, so you know, it that makes sense that you wouldn't bring your mind right to, oh, this is like Pokemon because like it is, but it's also not really at all. Yeah, it makes me wonder if there's a name for the type of dodgy combat that Undertale has, or if other games have done it because I've just never played another game where that's all you're doing pretty much in combat is avoiding enemy attacks. Yeah. There almost has to be just because gaming history has come too far for there to not be a name for that. Yeah. We'll have to look that up. But anyway, yes, continue. It reminds you of a Pokemon game. Um, yeah. And like even the monster design, you know, there, a lot of them are very rem reminiscent of, like animals and obviously you see that in Pokemon a lot and like 
I don't know, but it's done in a very different way, of course. And, uh, and in that vein, like, I really like the art style. I really like the music, um, like a lot. The music's really cool. Um, I had so much I wanted to say. I feel like a lot of what I have to say about this game is tied directly to spoilers and like the story and what you find out as you progress. So, uh, what other general things can I say about it? I mean, describe it's very describe sort of like what you oh. do. Like, if you could ex- like explain like the general outline of the game without spoiling what happens, how would you kind of boil that down? It's very quirky, and it knows it's quirky, and it's very meta. Uh, yes. It's extremely meta, <laughs> especially the further you progress, the more meta it gets. Like, I, well, I'll save the, I'll save what I what I wanted to say for later. Um, but it it kind of knows kinda... that it's having a direct conversation with the player a lot of the time. Oh yeah, it's very tongue in cheek, and it knows it's tongue in cheek, and it was written by just very smart people like it's it's very well made for for how the dialogue operates and the dialogue is very well written for how the game operates and they work in conjunction very well and like they just knew they just knew the whole time they're like hey this game is silly and we're leaning into that hard right and it's just so like quirky and fun and lovable and like I don't know. It's just, I I don't even know what words to use other than like quirky and adorable and fun. Yeah. Like those are all the obvious like words that come to mind when I think of this game. Yeah. It's very, uh, uh, there's a word that people use that I'm, I'm, it's on the tip of my tongue and I can't think of it either. Quirky, adorable. It's like, uh, there's sort of like an attitude about it a little bit. Like it's irreverent. That's the word. Yes. Yes. It's very irreverent. It's very like, it doesn't take itself too seriously. Like the characters know the characters are all very silly. They make fun of themselves. They make fun of each other. It's just like, it's all, it's off the wall, silly humor, the whole game. Mm -hmm. And it only gets sillier. Like it starts off, it almost starts off on a serious note and then like as soon as you make it out of kind of the first world you're like oh i got you yeah okay undertale i see you yeah and you know i've played this game with so many people and uh the moment i know which moment you're talking about it's basically after the first (laughs) boss battle when you kind of meet one of the central characters Yeah, and I have I've played this game with so many people who have never played it, and that is always the moment you can see it on their face that they're like, "Oh, I I get what's happening here." Like it it's it clicks. You're like, "Oh, I get this game," you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So basically, in a nutshell, um, you are this this nameless uh, human boy who's like or or girl actually. I think it's purposefully ambiguous. Um, and you, mm-hmm. your goal is to just sort of get out of the underground, and uh, it's filled with monsters who evidently have a vendetta against humans and don't want you to succeed. But um, I mean, spoiler free, that's like the whole game. Like you're just you're trying to get out of the underground. You meet a crazy cast of different characters, 
along the way. Great cast of characters. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was going to say, because you were talking about the dev team. Do you do you not know anything about the dev team for this game? I mean, not specifically. I know that it was directed by Toby Fox, and I don't like I don't know that name. Should I know that name? Everything was done by Toby Fox, including the music. Oh, OK. <laughs> oh, shit. He, okay. he did all of it. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Oh, oh. I know, right? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, which is is totally wild. Um I'm surprised you yes. never you, we never talked about that or you never knew that. <laughs> no, which is funny cuz I uh why you allowed me this was part of the part of the rules for me to play it was to play it and also to watch the game grumps play it. Which is funny because, like, they talked about this, and apparently I just didn't, like, I must have zoned out for a minute when they talked about it. Because I know that they brought Toby Fox up a couple times, and Dan brought the music up a couple times. And so, like, I guess I just didn't put two and two together that, like, it was just Toby Fox. Yeah. Yeah, it was just him. Um, Which is... Which is crazy impressive. It it really is. Um, And you hear it a lot, but... Like, you hear those stories a lot about solo devs who make these great indie games, but Undertale's on a different level, you know, with what it does. <laughs> right. I mean, Undertale, and, you know, maybe I'm wrong in saying this, Undertale is probably one of the biggest indie games, like, reputation-wise, over the past, I don't know, five, ten years. Yeah, I mean, maybe ever. And, like, we'll talk more about it in the in the spoiler part but um i mean this game is huge i don't i don't know if i i don't know if you know that about this game but like all of my students talk about this game constantly they all know what it is yes they come in and they learn the music on their own like everybody knows undertale it is so hugely just like far-reaching i never thought it was when i played it but it's insanely influential. It's wild how big it is. I mean, I knew it was big. Um, I guess I just didn't realize, like, how big. And I, again, coming from someone who doesn't play a ton of indie games, I feel like the two biggest indie games that I could, that I, as someone who plays, like, mostly AAA titles, can point a finger to are Undertale and Hades. And, you know, probably a couple others. But, like, those are the two. When people say, like, hey, what's a big indie game? I go Undertale, Hades. Yeah. shovel Probably in that order. Shovel Knight probably, too, at this point. Shovel Knight. Because Shovel Knight yep. has become a full-fledged franchise at this point with a ton of spin-off games and stuff. Right. They might be the biggest mm-hmm. studio that has been developed indie-wise. But, yeah, Undertale is, is huge. Um I didn't really realize that until a couple years ago, but it is still, I'm still constantly hearing about Undertale, um, and it's like at least seven years old. It might be older. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what else we can cover. Spoiler free. So much of Undertale is just the story, you know. Um, but let's see what else. Yeah, I mean, in a nutshell, not to spoil too much, but depending on 
if you decide to engage with the combat of the game and fight the monsters, you will get different outcomes in the story, which is why Trevor said it's like a choose your own adventure. Um, and there are a ton of different endings. Like there's kind of three big endings that you can shoot for, but within those, there are different variations depending on like every choice you make throughout the game. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Yeah. So yeah, that's undertale. If you, you know, before we get into it in spoilers, it's basically a turn-based RPG with a wild story lovable hilarious characters um i've been told i haven't played earthbound but i have been told that the writing is pretty much lifted from earthbound like that style of irreverent silly characters is highly influenced by earthbound yeah Hmm. um yeah to the fact that there's probably i think there's some references in character names and stuff like that to earthbound but i've never played it so i can't speak to it too much yeah, I'm not familiar at all. Yeah, so unless you have anything else to say spoiler-free, I guess I'll dive into God of War. No, I think everything else I have to say is directly related to like stories and outcomes and characters. Gotcha. All right, so God of War 2018. I have no idea. Lay it on me. Oh, my God, I have no idea where to start. Okay. I'll start with this. If you know nothing about God of War, this is the fourth game in the franchise. The first three games were basically a separate franchise. This is sort of a reboot of sorts because at the end of God of War 3, it's pretty clear that like this is the final game. Like When you finish God of War 3, you're like, all right, that's it. The games are over. There's nowhere else the story can go. Um and in the, the this, you know, God of War 4, but it's just called God of War 2018, it's essentially a reboot um, with Kratos again. Um, the story of the original God of Wars is you are Kratos, who um, was hired and then betrayed by the God of War Ares to um, be basically his killing machine. He betrays Kratos by tricking him into murdering his own wife, and then uh, you turn against him, and your mission in the original God of War is to murder the God of War Ares, which Kratos does. Uh, <laughs> and the rest of the three games, you just go on an insane killing spree. Um, and you fight all sorts of gods and do all sorts of epic things. So this God of War is just a huge shift. It's so different from the first three in a multitude of ways. But in this one, um, Kratos is in a different land. He's no longer in uh, the world of Greek mythology, which I don't know if I said that, but in the original, he's in he's a Spartan warrior in Greek mythology. Um, in this game, you're clearly in some Nordic land because the game is centered around Norse mythology. Uh, Kratos now has a son named Atreus. Um, His wife has recently passed away, and Kratos and Atreus are setting out to bring her ashes to the highest peak in the land. Does that sum it all up? Yeah, I mean, you know, without going into detail about things, that that is the story. Yeah, that's... From the beginning, it's pretty clear. They have, you know, they talk a lot about his wife and all that, and that was her final wish, was to be 
her ashes to be scattered from the highest peak in the land. So um, they set out to do that. Um, I will say, first of all, that I am absolutely astounded by this game. If you have never played this game, I don't know what the hell I was doing with my life that I didn't. But, like, drop whatever you're doing at this moment. Buy a PlayStation 4 and play God of War. It's Well, after this podcast. No, do it now. Finish the episode. No, finish the episode. No, no. Pause the episode, and then you can come back for spoilers when you're done with the game in, like, 30 hours. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, because you... you pretty close to the wire of recording this episode did you not i finished it it's monday now i finished it on saturday um the main story i played some yesterday and i pretty much decided like i've done all i'm gonna do in this game like i'm not gonna pick it up anymore i played i i did everything that i wanted to see and do um Mm -hmm. yeah so like honestly do yourself a favor um that's the thing that was crazy to me. Like playing this game felt, it felt like I was playing a huge piece of gaming history. Like playing this game, I was like, Oh man, this game feels important. It doesn't feel like it's just fun or enjoyable. This feels like a game that people are going to cite as like formative to their inspirations for the next 20 or 30 years. It, it's just so hugely important to gaming in general, which I was not expecting it to be. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of different reasons too. I mean, this is the first installment of a, a PlayStation uh, a, uh, exclusive franchise. The first installment in what, like 10 years yeah, I, maybe more. I, yeah, I guess. I don't know when God of War 3 came out, but it was at least six years. It was a long time before God of War 3 and this game were released. And that's just what struck me over and over again as I was playing, is that I felt like I was playing a huge piece of gaming history. Like something that was super important, which, I mean, you've never really played Breath of the Wild, so you probably don't know what that feels like, but... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're gonna are we are we going there right now? <laughs> no, I just I just had to throw I just had to throw it at you. There will be episodes to go there, and I don't know that today is the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to throw it at you, but that's how it felt. Like when I was playing Breath of the Wild many years ago, the the energy around that game was that this game is really important and it's going to be talked about, and there are huge conversations around it, and that's how I felt about this game, which was shocking to me. Especially because the first three games were really fun, and I think they were well-designed, but they always felt like a more of a niche experience thing that me and my nerdy friends liked in high school. They didn't feel like, oh, this, these games are having an impact on people's conversations around gaming and like influencing people. They just felt kind of like silly and just like over-the-top you know what I mean? Like they were fun, but they were whatever. Mm-hmm. They weren't important. And this game, I just, just the whole the whole time. This game also answers the age old question in all of media, which is, how do you successfully reboot 
a franchise that people love that had a hard ending. This is how you do it. God of War did it perfectly. What do you mean by a hard ending? Like, I mean, so God of War 3, I mean, I haven't played it, but this is kind of what I was getting from you talking about it, is that, like, God of War happens, one, two, three, and then three has, like, a hard stop of, like, Kratos did the thing, he's done now, and he goes off and does whatever it is he does. He rides off into the sunset, and, like, his story is Oh, you meant hard ending as in just, it's finished, like, it's wrapped up. Yeah, the story's done. Yes. No, you're, yes, you're correct about that. They absolutely rebooted a franchise that was over, in, like... That everybody thought was over and there was no way to advance the story forward. They did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This game is how you do that. Yeah. And I just, I can't believe how they did it because it's just, this game feels, it feels subtle and it feels mature and it feels like it's having such a deep dialogue about all of these, like, deep important things like death and family and fatherhood and all of these just really like rich things that are worth exploring in a video game Mm -hmm. in this setting and the first three were not (laughs) at all interested in that they were just brutal and indulgent and just interested in violence that's all the first three games were um and it's not to say that it's not to say that they didn't put some subtleties in those stories. The stories were interesting. There were interesting things that happened. And it's not like Kratos never had a relationship with other characters in those games or didn't have. But on the whole, that's really what those games were, is like, let's make them bloody and violent and over the top. And people were like, yeah, <laughs> that was what those games were. So it's surprising that, they shifted that conversation in the reboot and they did it so much better than any other game. Like I've never really played a game that addresses these things and makes you feel them like talking about like fatherhood and, and death and love and regret, like all of these deep things. And you, you really, and even sorry, no, you go ahead. I I was going to add to the list of like really deep themes and like, reconciling with your past i mean kratos is a very troubled man and he in this game reconciles with a lot of those those things that he did in the first three games right and it's it's crazy that they pulled it off i mean i really i can't stress it enough i don't care what you're doing with your life stop at this moment and go play this game it's Oh my God, I can't, I was not expecting to, I expected to feel some things because I already knew what the story was, what the central premise was, and I knew it was going to be different, but I was not expecting to feel so many emotions. It was, oh my God, dude. You know what I just realized my favorite part of this podcast is? What? It's us arriving to games way too late. Yeah, and... (laughs) Which is, like, maybe my favorite thing. Um, yeah, it's great. It's so great. I follow r slash patient gamers. Have you ever been on that subreddit? No. So patient gamers is a subreddit that's all about that. Like, you're not allowed to post about recent games. You're only allowed to post about games 
that are old that you never played. Huh. And, uh, I mean, no shocker, I'm a pretty frequent poster on r slash patient gamers. <laughs> but that's, yeah, that's such an exciting feeling. I love playing games that are like 10 or 15 years old that people are excited about and, or, or you know, people really love and playing them now um, with fresh eyes. That's one of my favorite things to do in general. Yeah, <clears throat> that subreddit would love our podcast. Yeah, I mean, we're basically the patient gamers podcast um (laughs) so yeah so that's basically the story um the combat is similar to the original games in some senses but it feels like they made a really conscious effort to overhaul the combat and the gameplay in many ways the biggest being that there's no platforming in this game like there is in the first three Um, And everything feels a lot more influenced by Dark Souls games and games with that style of combat. Um, Mm -hmm. Everything is very up close. It's more about timing your dodges and, like, managing enemies, um, having good timing. It, It just, it feels like a Dark Souls game. I think the developers are pretty open about that being an influence yeah, um, and I, I told you this kind of in our, our light conversation between recording, uh, playing and recording, that uh, I heard an interview when the game was coming out, and one of the devs straight up says, like, oh, yeah, we, we pulled a lot of combat and, like, mechanics out of Dark Souls because we love those games. So, yeah, they are they are extremely open about that. And, like, like you said, it's pretty clear that that's where a lot of that combat comes from. Yeah. And it's not that you didn't have to be thoughtful in the first games about what you did combat-wise, but the first three were much more about kind of just beating the heck out of things. This game, it feels like they wanted you to be purposeful about every dodge that you make and every attack that you do make, um, which is a big shift. It if you liked the combat from the first three, you'll like it here. It's just very different and probably better, I think. Um, I have mm-hmm. I have things to say about the combat, for sure. Um, yeah, but it's, it's good. They really thought everything through, especially with the, the axe, the Leviathan axe. Um, I love the Leviathan axe. Yet, to be honest with you, the Leviathan Axe feels like such a piece of game design that was ripped from Nintendo. Because Nintendo always... They're they're very good at coming up with one central way that you interact with the world and basing everything in the game around it. Like Mario's Cap in Super Mario Odyssey. Like, that's the one way you interact mm-hmm. with the world. And... It feels like they took the Leviathan axe and they just made it the central way. You throw it to interact with puzzles and open doors. Uh, You use it in combat. It's also cool because it's like Thor's hammer, which is just so brilliant, like to tie it into the lore that way as well. Um, Mm -hmm. So you you can throw the Leviathan axe. You can use it in combat. You can throw it at enemies and fight with your fists instead of using the Leviathan axe. But it's such a cool central part of everything you do in the game. And it's also ice, which is cool because 
Kratos' weapons in the first three were made of fire. So it, it feels like they kind of did a 180 from that perspective, but it was cleverly done. Yeah, and <clears throat> a couple things I want to say on that. Like, A, that it it's very purposeful. Like, Kratos from the original trilogy to now, that's that's fire and ice. Yeah, right. You know, he's a he's a very different person and like um and we'll talk more about it like as we do the spoiler section, but uh the Leviathan X I think is actually pulled from an axe in Norse mythology. Is that right? I'm pretty sure that's right. Uh I mean if you're familiar with the MCU um Stormbreaker, the axe that Thor gets after uh Mjolnir is broken, that that axe is also based i i mean the leviathan axe is based on that which i think is based on an actual axe in norse mythology and i could be wrong about that but i'm almost positive huh wow i learned a thing yeah yeah so you're welcome yeah so listen i'm probably gonna have to edit this out but this episode is too long for me to not go to the bathroom i need to take a break and go to the bathroom <laughs> do you want to pause recording or do you want to try and fish through let this conversation let's pause it and then that way i know that there's less for me to edit i'll still have to edit us okay. talking about this but let's pause and then come back okay so three two one pause cool um yeah so the leviathan axe is fun all of the combat and the way that you interact with the world is fun um the world design is so well done because a lot of the game is very linear. Typically when you're doing one specific mission, your job is to get from point A to point B. Um, and there's tons of secrets everywhere you go. Like just every, every little path you take is littered with like a hundred secrets and things to hit with your ax and find. Um, but a huge portion of the game is open world and I love that they're really clear about conveying that to you. Like the first time you hit a point where you have a choice of whether to progress the story or whether to freely explore the world, Atreus just says to you like, hey, it's up to you. We can, uh, we can keep going up the mountain or we can explore a little, whatever you want to do. And I love that they just tell you. They're like, go explore if you want or continue the story. Um, they just convey it right. to you very clearly, Which you know. I think partially is done prob probably because God of War is historically very linear. And so they probably just wanted to let mm -hmm. you know, like, hey, we we opened this world up, so go go check it out and then come back. Yeah. Well, it's just great because in a lot of games you sometimes have that anxiety of I, I want to progress the next story beat, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to turn back. Like, I don't know if I'm. this is my only opportunity, or I don't know if I'm supposed to explore right now. Like, are there even things for me to explore, or am I going to waste two hours of my life? And they just tell you point blank. They're like, cool, decide what you want to do. Mm -hmm. We're cool with whatever you want to do, um, which is, is great. I love the freely exploring parts of this game, and I love the linear part. This is... There's so many things that this game does better than any other game I've ever played. This is the most well-paced game 
I've it's ever played. It's very well in my paced. Life. It's just unbelievable. Every time, no matter what you're doing, they know. All right, cool. You just fought twenty five really hard dudes. We're gonna give you like a big story dump that feels right, and then you finish the story dump, and they're like, cool. We're gonna give you a puzzle section, and then like everything you're doing just moves you forward so seamlessly without you thinking about it and i just i can't believe how well paced it is there's never a moment where you're like this is dull this is a dead moment you just keep moving you know i think i'm gonna add a game to the list because it feels it feels like this game to me i'm gonna add one of the newer tomb raider games to your list room what are the newer room tater games yeah uh if, if you're Which new room on the tighter? show, uh, Tomb Raider is also referred to as, <laughs> as Room Tater because... Room Tater we, Hash Brown Edition or Room Tater, because, uh, because room tater Home Fries? from college have Which this one? stupid inside joke about Room Tater. <laughs> that, there's no joke. That's just it. We just call it Room it's Tater. It's the accent that does it for me. It's the southern drawl that does it for me. <laughs> You want me to play a little bit of Room Tater? Oh. <laughs> it just works. All right, cool. So we're going to add Room Tater to the list we just found out together. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so now everyone knows that that game is coming Which at some cool. point. In fact, if I had it my way, I'd probably make you play a lot of uh, Room Tater games because I have a bunch of the old ones that you could borrow. On, uh, I guess you could borrow my PS2, really, if you wanted to. Um, but I feel like you'd like a lot of the older ones and the newer ones because they're all filled with puzzles and stuff. Well, it depends how old. I mean, to be perfectly frank, I have very young memories of my dad playing Tomb Raider, like the originals. And from what I understand, the the platforming and stuff did oh, not no, age it's, well at it's all. It's pretty bad. <laughs> I don't. It's pretty bad. It's pretty Those bad, boys. They're pretty bad. Yeah, but no, that's that's good to know. I don't know anything really about the reboot of Tomb Raider, but I mean, I'd be open to. It sounds like they're cool. Yeah, I really like the reboots. Um, I have played like one and a half of the three that are out there. I I know which one I would get you to play because cool. it's one that I have have played all the way through. Oh. I didn't know there were that many, to be honest with you. I think one's technically a remaster, and then two are new. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right, so anyway, yes, we still got still got the world design and the, the characters to talk about a little bit here. Um, so, yeah, just to finish up the world design, it's just... It's littered with secrets. The, the other thing I kept saying throughout this game was that this is hands down the most beautiful game I have ever played. Like head and shoulders above anything. Nothing I've ever played comes even close to this game. It's unbelievable. I I also said this a bunch too <laughs> to my fiance. I was like, you know, playing only Nintendo systems your whole life and then playing God of War on PS4, it feels like I just got out of like an abusive relationship with Nintendo. <laughs> where I was being gaslit the whole time. 
<laughs> They're like, no, these graphics are great. They don't even matter that much. It's just the gameplay. And then I played like the first hour of this game, and I was like, what the hell have I, I been doing? I was going to say, like, <laughs> just kind of as a side note, this is your first PlayStation game that you've played, like your first PS4 game that you've played that wasn't like an indie yeah. thing. It's not yeah. made by Nintendo. Like this is you entering the world of modern gaming. Yeah, for real. Like it really just feels like I've I've been being lied to this whole time. I just can't believe how beautiful. Yeah, you've been this having a fever dream, and now you're just awake. I just. Oh my god! Like real, like every there's not a single thing you could point to. Like I love Breath of the Wild, for example. That's a gorgeous game art style wise but there are things you could point to playing that game like oh that that could probably look better rare moments there are rare things here and there but you could not point to a single thing in this game that could look even an ounce better mm -hmm. it's it's unbelievable like every everything like you look at every little nook and cranny every area is just immaculately beautiful the characters are great. The, the giant world serpent is like the coolest thing I've ever seen in a world game serpent, ever. Dude. It's so cool. The world serpent, the giant turtle that you see is so cool. Everything is just so awesome looking. Like the the world is just it's it's really great. I know they technically didn't say that it's it's technically not an open world game, but it really does feel like an open world game at the heart of it, or at least huge portions of the game where, like I said, they go, Hey, go freely roam and do stuff. Uh, and there are things to find characters who give you missions and just like cool stuff mm -hmm. around, yeah. you know, it's not, it's not quote unquote an open world game, but it is much more open for this franchise. Yeah. And I would say approaching mm -hmm. open world, a lot of it, um, and again, they give you the choice pretty clearly, similar to an open world game. If you want, you can set your map marker to the next story mm -hmm. objective and go there, or set your map marker objective to something completely different, or just roam for a while. So, yeah. It also feels a lot like a Metroidvania, though, too, where you see a lot of things along the way that you're like, oh, I can't, I can't do that yet. I can't get through this door yet. I don't know how to do that yet. And you get more abilities along the way that allow you to um, right. access those things. So, Which makes me really excited yeah. for the next um, installment of this franchise, God of War Ragnarok, which is coming. Yeah, it's coming this year, and it's coming out on the 4th. Thank Christ. I know. I, I was worried that it wasn't going to hit the 4, because I don't know that I'll have a PlayStation by then, or a PS5 by then, I should say. But the fact that it's coming out on PS4, yeah. ooh, boy howdy, let me tell you, saving grace. Right, right. <clears throat> so I guess the last thing I'll talk about in the spoiler-free segment is the characters. And by the characters, I really just mean Atreus, because you meet lots of other characters, but those would probably be considered spoilers at least a little. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, but... The characters are, are so well done and well voice acted all the way through. You know, you learn in the very early parts of the game that you're going to be spending a lot of time with Atreus, who is Kratos' son. 
And to be honest, who he has the bulk of the dialogue in the game. Like mm-hmm. he has way more than Kratos. Um, and God, if you don't love the little son of a he's, gun, you know? Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's adorable just awesome. And he's very well written as like a strong young character. Yeah, and you can tell that the the devs have kids, yeah. you know. <laughs> he he just he really feels they and Kratos does too, but particularly Atreus feels like a real person and he feels like a real kid. Like sometimes he runs into things completely headstrong and you think to yourself like, dude, come on, like use your head. You know, sometimes he's just naive and idiotic like a kid. And then there's other times where he's really vulnerable. Um, and there's times where he's very sweet. But he he feels like he has the full range of a real human kid. Uh, you know, he's yeah. so believable. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah, and um, you could just you can tell they have kids. And Kratos, too. Kratos is funny in this game. Right, totally by... <laughs> well, not... I mean, not by accident, but like for him, it's by accident because he doesn't Kratos obviously yeah. doesn't try to be funny. But like the way he was written was like, what if he was so dry that it was yeah. comical? Yeah. And he wasn't funny in the first three. Like he was never a funny character. Um, you know what it is? He's funny because. It's like in an improv scene, sometimes the humor comes from the characters just being so Mm -hmm. the characters that they're funny. Like, he's funny because his character is so well done that him around the rest of the world is hilarious. Yeah, which I think (laughs) adds to the dichotomy of that father-son relationship. Like, he plays off of his son, and he's not trying to be funny, but it's absolutely funny because, like, that's a father-son interaction. Like... Atreus talks to his right, dad, yeah. asks a silly question, and gets a silly answer. Yep, yep. And uh, I can't believe we've gone this far into this episode without saying I, I was actually going to ask you at one point to give me your best Kratos. <laughs> boy. Hey, hey, Dad, what's boy. my name again? Boy. Yeah. Stop asking me silly questions. Well, which way are the deer? <laughs> In the direction of deer. <laughs> he does, yeah, he does say that really early on. Like, he's so funny, and we could probably talk about Brock and Sindri too. I They're not really spoilers. Love Brock and Sindri so much. Oh my god, they're, they're so, so funny. So Brock, Brock and Sindri are these two elves or dwarves. I think they're technically dwarves, dwarves yeah, and uh, technically dwarves and you find out pretty early that they're the ones that forged your leviathan axe for your wife when she was still alive but they are like feuding and hate each other so every time you show up like you meet brock first and he's like oh if you ever see my idiot brother out there and then you run into sindri shortly after and he wants to like repair your axe and upgrade it but he's like oh Seems like you saw my brother Brock out there, but they're just, they're both idiots. They're both like lovable idiots, the two of them. Uh, And they have their own little B plot that sort of happens throughout the game, too. Like every time you see them, you're like, hey, it's my buddies. Like Uh, they're so cool. Talk about comic relief. Like, wow. I don't remember 
I don't remember the exact moment, but I, I have a memory of like something heavy happens in the game and then you see one of them and they immediately like, they're just such a hard cut of like, and we're done with that serious moment. Cause Brock or Brock or Sindri are here to like give you some comic relief. And I don't remember the exchange at all. I just remember that very hard line of like, they're here to rescue you from the sadness. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that yeah, that's very much what they do. They're always funny every time you see them. Um, yeah, and and like Brock is, he has like a foul mouth. He's like a big foul mouthed bumbling idiot. And Sindri is a huge germaphobe and like won't touch anything that you give to them. So they're both they're both funny on their own. But the way they play off of each other's conversations and like dialogue with Kratos is, it's so great. Um, and then there's the head, but we'll talk about the I head in him. spoilers, I think, because that's pretty far in the story. But, but you know, it's it's pretty remarkable how all of the characters are. You just love every character in this game, and you just I didn't expect to. You know, at one point, my fiance said to me, uh, she was like, "This game is so endearing, and it's so not supposed to be endearing." <laughs> And I was like, yeah, that pretty much sums yeah, up this game. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> I feel like to some extent it is all, almost like it's a coming of age story. It's a family story. Like it is endearing, but like, yeah, but it's not, but it is, but it's not at all. Yeah, I would say very much it 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 really is endearing. And I think they made a conscious effort to make it endearing and make it more well-rounded because while there, while you do see some gory things in this game, you don't see any more gore than like mm-hmm. a typical video game. It's not like every combat you're splattered with blood or anything. It feels like they are very tasteful about the way they handle violence, which again is shocking for. Yeah. Yeah. God the violence is very in calculated in this game. Yeah, it's not it's not over the top and I think it is supposed to be endearing and it's supposed to be about family. And you know what else I was thinking this whole time, the whole time I played the game that I haven't said yet. This game and all God of Wars really, I just kind of forgot cuz I haven't played a God of War in so long. To me, these games share a ton of DNA with Zelda games. In what way? In every way. If I had to describe Zelda, I would describe it as you're exploring a fantastical world with fun and interesting combat and tons of puzzle solving. And if I had to describe oh, okay. God of I War, see. I see where you're at. I would yeah. say the same thing. It, it's just the way, in particular, the way that the way that the game is balancing fun combat and puzzle solving because as I was playing it, I was thinking of you and wondering because you always talk about how much you hate puzzles. And this game is like 43% puzzle solving. It's, it's like you play some combat, you solve some puzzles, you play some combat. solve Yeah. Some puzzles. I, and I think that's because this game, I don't like when puzzles in games feel like work or, and may, I don't know, maybe that sounds like, 
okay, Trevor, well, maybe you should just use big brain when you play games. But, like, I don't like to use big brain. I like to use reptile brain and, like, kind of shut off. And I feel like you can do most of these puzzles and be shut off for most of them. I guess so. I felt like some of them were oh, challenging-ish yeah, puzzles. I'm, I'm surprised that you would and say that. Again, I've not played this game in a while, probably since... Probably since shortly mm-hmm. after it came out, honestly, I probably have not played this game. So we're talking 2018, 2019. Um, but yeah, I, I don't remember anything being like particularly difficult in terms of puzzle. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah, I guess that that's my sort of recommendation for everybody is I feel like if you like Zelda games, you'll like God of War. And if you like God of War you'll like Zelda. It's just that Zelda is less violent and maybe more on the puzzly side at times. But I feel like there's sort of two sides of the same coin, which I I had always thought that playing the original games when I was a lot younger, but replaying this one, I was like, oh, I remember a lot of why I like these games. They remind me of Zelda games. They're they're appealing in the same way. Now that you kind of pointed out, I, I do see that. Yeah, Um, and that's sort of why Kratos is a good character, even in the first three games, which is another thing I forgot about, is that he says a lot of dialogue to Atreus, things like, things like, we we win battles because we are more patient and we are more determined than the enemy. Like, he doesn't say things about, like, we're stronger, we're more fierce. He always says things like, we're smarter, we're more patient, we're more determined. And that is sort of why Kratos is a good character, even in the original franchise, because he uses his head and he's patient and he solves puzzles right, and yeah. stuff, you know? Um even though he's a warrior, but he always says, like, you know, to be a warrior, you have to be smart, you, should, you know, all that stuff. He has good qualities, is what I'm saying, beyond all of his Kratosness, where he's like, boy. Right. He's angry and he's dry, but he's not dumb. Boy. Yeah. And you know what else I was thinking the whole time, too? This son of a gun needs to get a rock climbing membership. He is such a... He's unbelievably good at rock climbing. He could join the world tournament tomorrow. He climbs all of this stuff. Like, look at this dude's beta. Oh, my God. His technique... By the way, I used to rock climb for many years. Fangirling, yeah. (laughs) Going on this tangent. But the whole time, I'm like... I'm like, look at this dude over here with these crimps and everything. He's unbelievable. Unbelievably good. It rock makes climbing. me happy that you are fangirling Kratos. about Kratos's rock climbing skills. That makes me happy. <laughs> Bro, I've been fangirling about Kratos since before you were even playing uh, God of War. 18, probably. <laughs> yes. Um <laughs> so we used to, actually it's funny you know me and my buddy who used to rock climb a lot together who hopefully is listening to this and he'll know what i'm talking about is we always when we would rock climb we would jump off of the wall or we'd do a really hard move and you know when you're doing that sort of physical exercise you'll always go like Ugh, or whatever like mm-hmm. under under your breath because you're exerting physically 
And in high school, we always used to call those Kratos noises as a joke. Like we would just be like, "Oh, you're doing a lot oh, of that's Kratos really funny. noises today." <laughs> yeah, and uh, it's just it's done a full 360 because it's like I don't know. I feel like we were doing Kratos noises because he's a sick <laughs> rock climber. <laughs> that's amazing. Like a really, yeah. So. I think that's all of the spoiler-free stuff. And from this moment forward, we're going to talk about Undertale first and then God of War, completely spoiler-free. So your moment, if you want to play either of those games spoiler-free, to duck out is right, right... Now, right. let's get down and dirty. No. Oh, I'm no, sorry. No, not yet. I'm Don't sorry. jump the gun, Trevor. I wasn't done. Right... <laughs> Now, okay, let's get down and dirty. It's let's talk about Undertale. Full spoilers. If you're still here, what are you doing? You must want the spoilers if you're still here, because we're going. Here we go. This must be this must be thirty hours later after you pause the podcast to go. Yeah, play welcome God back of War to the second part of this episode. Uh, it's time to talk about spoilers for Undertale and God of War because you're back now. So you've either played them already. Or you've just finished playing them. Welcome back. Uh, Undertale. I don't even know where to start now. Uh, I mean, should I just spoil it? Should I just go right to the end and just spoil uh, it? Jump right in and... Well, well... Well, let's just talk about all the things you wanted to talk about that you couldn't in the first part. But if you'd like to jump to the end... I probably should have made notes. Because... You know, a lot of that is just gone now uh, because it's been it's been well, so we can long say what you I, did. That's true. We could do that. Yeah. So Trevor was assigned to do the full pacifist run, uh, including the little after story. That's part of the true pacifist ending. Uh, that's all he's seen. No neutral endings and no genocide. So, endings. OK, so I had a question about this because Technically, yeah. So I found the gameplay to be like a little difficult, and I ended up watching the Game Grumps play it, which you told me was okay. Um, so I'm a little confused because when they finish their first run, which the whole time they call the pacifist run, they finish it and then they immediately start referring to it as a neutral run because th- only after you beat the game can you do a full pacifist run. And so I was confused by that. Yes. Yes. So I believe if we were going to be technical, you have to do you. Ha- yeah, you have to do a pacifist run. And then when you beat it, you unlock the true okay. pacifist ending. I don't I don't know if it's correct to call that first ending a neutral ending, but that's basically gotcha. the okay, because they called they were calling it a pacifist run. And then they started calling it a neutral run. And so I was very, I was a little confused. I lost, I lost track of like, well, is this, so is this a pacifist run or was it, I was confused, but. I believe it's pacifist and true pacifist okay. are the gotcha. two technical gotcha, 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 endings. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Uh, yep. So when I say this game is meta or when I said that in the, the first part of the episode, Holy crap, is this game meta? Like, especially towards the end, like that final bat- battle with Flowey 
is just like the most meta thing I think I've ever seen out of a video game. Like that whole, the whole thing from the second, um, uh, uh, Asriel, the, from the second, the goat King man dies. It's just like the most meta thing I've ever seen out of any form of media. Like how Flowey shows up and he just like breaks the literally breaks the game and like destroys your save files. And he's like, you have no save files anymore. Like it's just so. I mean, it looks you dead in the eye and it goes, hey, did you forget you were playing a game? Because you you are you're you're playing a game. This is a game. Yeah. Um. I mean, to the point where you you didn't kill Goat right. this so run, the, correct? So, years ago, you made me play this game, and you told me to just kind of do whatever. And so, I ended up killing Goat Mom right off the bat, um, which turns out was the wrong move. <laughs> not, not a good move. Don't kill Goat Mom. Uh Right, but if you do that, Flowey shows up immediately oh, right. after, and and he's like, "Wow, you know you didn't have to kill her, right?" So you you reload the save file, do the fight again without killing her, and he looks you dead in the eye, and he's like, "But I saw that whole thing. I know that you actually killed her and reloaded your file." And you're like, "What? What? Who is watching this game right now? Like, it's it's." They really toy with you a lot with that yeah, concept. Yeah, and I and I um, forgot that 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 like that interaction happens after you after you kill Goat Mom, and so like I was not anticipating yeah the the first ending at all when Flowey shows up and just slaughters Azrael. Like I did not see that coming, and I, I mean you're probably not supposed to because plot twists, which they even say too. Like at one point they're like yeah. Uh, this wouldn't be whatever without it like a plot twist. And so they do the thing with um, Metaton, which you think is the plot twist, but then the actual plot twist is that Flowey's actually the mastermind, which like, yeah, mind blown. Yeah. And, and it's crazy because you should see it coming because at the very beginning of the game, you see Flowey and then, you never see him again, and you he leaves your memory. But as soon as he, you know, captures everyone and tries to destroy the whole world, you're like, but I saw him. Why did I forget about him? I should have known this right. was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, it's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You did... Well, by the way, Asriel is the sun goat. Oh, Asgore. Asgore right. is the king Sorry. goat. Um, yeah. You did do the Asriel, the real Asriel fight at the end, Asriel though, right? Fight at the end. Yeah, after they do, after they kill Flowey, the Game Grumps, they they kill Flowey and then they start that second new run. You did get to the end where you fight I Goat did Son. Not. Yes. Because I thought, well, because I thought the pacifist run was the whole Got thing. Back back All right. We're back for you. We never left, but we've returned, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna continue slash start with uh, Undertale, the spoiler version. Uh, you know the full story, no holds barred. If you finished Undertale, you're here for the talk about it.
And to answer your question, Andy, yes, I have finished the full pacifist run. <laughs> All right, listen. As of recording I have this. To, <laughs> I have to tell the story because just because I know Cozy is going to text us and give you crap, and I need, I need a, it to be like a huge running joke. So when we... <laughs> when I assigned this game to Trevor, I thought I was very clear that when you do a pacifist run of Undertale, you finish the game and then Flowey returns and he's like, hey, there's more stuff that you can do. And then like you going back and doing all of that stuff is very essential to the pacifist run that we, you know, it, that's like really the whole story of the pacifist run. Trevor did not get that memo. <laughs> So yesterday, we literally were like, okay, we'll stop recording, and then we picked up today after he has finished it. Oh, <laughs> uh, and I'm I'm forever going to be sorry about it. Uh, so, yeah, I've now finished a full pacifist run, uh, and again, spoilers, so be ready, because goat boy son friend appears to you and is... He was flowy the whole time, which is wild. Just maybe scoot your mic over. I don't know if it's. Like oh, do right I sound far away? Yeah, maybe a little. Uh, so, Azrael Goat Boy Son was flowy the whole time, and that's wild. Um, yeah, yeah, wild twist. Yeah, big plot twist. This game has several plot twists, which is funny to me because it tells you a couple times towards the end of like your first run that there are plot twists and it gives you like small ones and you're like, Oh, that's the plot twist. But then as you keep going, you're like, Oh, that was the plot. Oh, that was the real plot twist. Oh, that was the plot twist. Got it. And there's just a couple of those curveballs that are like, Hey, you thought you knew what was happening and you don't. Just another example of, like, how well this game is written and made. Yeah, somehow it's... I think we were talking a little bit before about how it it should seem obvious that Flowey is the bad guy because you see him, but then he shows up again and you completely forgot about him. Um, So it's, it's filled with stuff that is just sort of intuitive but also completely unexpected. I think you were talking, um briefly before about how meta this game was if i recall it's so meta and it only gets more meta um in the pacifist run because then like you know you do this battle with um asriel and everyone is like kind of talking to you as the player but also you as the character and then you find out that like and I'm a little fuzzy on it. Maybe you can clarify it for me. But like you, the player, is actually a different character that uh, that was friends with Azrael. Is that right? Yes. You you learn in the lab when you're watching those. Uh, there's some videotapes. I think. Did you click the little videotapes that are just text that are sort of like these were t- tapes of our childhood kind of thing? Did you see those in the lab? Yeah, well, I watched the Game Grumps do the Let's Play, and, yeah. they, and they do all those, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's really tough to decipher, or at least it was for me, but I'm pretty sure that um, what you gather is that uh, 
yeah, you you and Azriel grew up together with Asgor and Toriel, and you were sort of their adoptive son. Um, and what happens is in those tapes you see that Azriel is like, oh, we should we should take this uh, we should like take this flower this flower extract and we should like try it even though we know that it's a poison I think, um, and then. What is it that... Oh, yes. So, Azriel convinces the boy, or the main character, to take the flower poison, and then the character is dying, so Azriel goes out into the human world, like, you need to save this human, he's dying, um, and then sort of gets beat to a pulp and has to surrender to um, the underground again. That's so wild. Yeah, because Aaron was also thrown off by it, and I was certainly thrown off by it. Like, I mostly understood what was happening, but there was a little bit of, like, I think I know what's happening. Because mm-hmm. you, you think you're one person the whole time, and then the game very quickly turns and is like, actually, you're this person, because plot twists. Well, you know, to be honest, I think it is meant to be ambiguous as to whether you are that human from that Azrael knew or if you just resemble that human so much that everybody starts to recall the memory of the human which i think is actually the case yeah i think or maybe but it, it's it's sorry go ahead it's it's meant to be a gray area i think yeah or what i was going to say is like you know you have a soul that kind of resembles that human soul, like this very gentle, warm, kind soul that everyone is just kind of drawn to. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we can get into the genocide spoilers a little bit, maybe, but I will say this, the, the genocide run surprisingly uncovers a lot more of the story and is way more. Yeah. And is way more meta and you learn you learn so much more about Azriel and about what has happened to Flowey when you complete the genocide run, which is cool because it's really cool to me because everyone knows that there's a genocide run and you can do it, but it actually is really integral to a lot of the things about the characters. It's pretty crazy that they put a ton of meaningful story into that run as well. That's so wild. Yeah, it's um it's cool. And I guess I mean, I don't know. I'm assuming you might watch the Game Grumps genocide run as well because it's entertaining and for me I was like I got to see what happens. Like, you know, in the genocide run and what it's like. Yeah, I I would like to watch that if only for like just to see more about the story and stuff. That and I mean, you obviously know that the game is going to be different a little because, but the game is way different. Like way, way, way. Everything is different in the genocide run. Like it's pretty, it's pretty wild how much they change. So I would recommend watching it. Um, so I won't spoil it for you, but I'll definitely say you will learn more about Flowey and Azriel and your character and there's lots of cool stuff to see in the genocide run. And I would not that I've ever completed one because I don't hate myself. <laughs> I would think it's a lot harder too because you know you do have the combat mechanic thrown in there for the actual fights and stuff. So I, I can't imagine trying to play that because like even 
even playing just the pacifist run is like kind of difficult and repetitive and like challenging at points. Like I, when I watched them do that, the first final battle with, well, with Asgore and then again with Flowey, I was like, I was going to play this. Oh no, this looks hard. Believe it or not, the Flowey fight is very easy. It looks terrifying, and it's meant to look terrifying. It's really not hard. The Asgore fight is hard. The Flowey fight is not, surprisingly. See, it looks very difficult. It it yes, it does. I think you can look up some analysis videos of it and stuff. Like they purposefully curb a lot of the damage that you would otherwise take. Um, and they they know that you're going to get hit with a million different crazy obstacles, mm-hmm. so it's not it's not that tough. But uh, yeah, so but yes, I've never completed a genocide run. Do you know? I'm curious. Do you know the the famous final boss of the genocide run? Mm, no. Is it Goat Mom? All right, I'm not. S- I'm not spoiling anything. You have to finish. You have to watch it. I don't want to spoil it. I'm amazed you've gone this far in your life without knowing who the final boss is because it's just so wild. I feel like famous. it almost has to be Toriel. I'm not saying anything. We'll report back in a later episode. I, you know, I was actually thinking this. I was debating if I was going to say this out loud, but I'm going to go ahead and say it out loud. I think in the future we should do a segment of like going back and revisiting games that we said we were going to revisit and like do a segment or like a short episode or something of us like revisiting things. Like we'll revisit the genocide run. We'll revisit um, like the older God of war games after I play two and three, like that kind of, yeah. Some of those would be worth doing, especially because you never finished God of war for our first episode. Like if you do someday finish it. um, Yeah. I was thinking that as I listened to our talk about a short hike, because I remember you saying you were like, oh, man, I didn't get to go to the secret island and I didn't get to talk to that guy. So it would be cool, even if just like, I don't know, one episode, you're like, oh, I happened to finish a short hike. We can do a short talk about it up top. <laughs> a short That'd be talk cool. about a short hike. <laughs> yeah, was that you? OK, Hilarious. yeah, you OK. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. Um, so, yeah, um. Any other thoughts on Undertale? We went on a bit a big tangent there. Oh god, there's so much. I mean, honestly, I we could probably talk about Undertale forever cuz that there's so much packed into that game and it's not even like I mean, it is a big game, but it doesn't feel like it when you get into it or it feels did like it like shouldn't. Did you like it? Did be. you love it? I What did you feel about it? So, I have mixed feelings. Like, I think I think watching the game grumps play it i actually think i like it more than if i were to try and play it um and i and i did play some of it i got to like that second or third world i think before i started watching the let's play um so i think watching a playthrough of it was actually it made me enjoy it a little more than if i had kind of tried to plow through it myself because i'm not very good at video games and like there is a lot to discover in that world and the combat is like again not particularly difficult but there is a lot to it and like there's a lot of literal moving parts in that mechanic and stuff yeah um so 
I I like it, and I really I really appreciate how meta and different and fun and cute all the dialogue and story is. Like, it's just it, it's kind of mind boggling how one man created this extremely dynamic world, extremely dynamic story, dynamic characters, um, which. You know, if you like this game and you've not seen the Game Grumps play it, I recommend watching it because, like, you know, Aaron just breathes life into characters. Uh, and Dan actually does some pretty good voices for them, too. Um, like, you look at Papyrus and, like, that voice yeah, absolutely yeah. 100% fits him as a character. It's, it's like, weirdly perfect. Um, so, yeah, I just, I really... I really appreciated and enjoyed this game. I don't know if I'm at love. I know a lot of people love this game. I know you really love this game. I don't know if I'm at love, and maybe that's because I haven't played it for myself like all the way through. Um, I definitely do like it. I definitely appreciate it for what it is and like what was done with it. Uh, yeah, I'm at a hard like. Did you did you hug the goat? Did you hug? Oh, the you goat? did. You didn't choose when the game grumps hugged the goat. Did oh, you cry? Uh, I didn't cry. I it it was emotional, but I didn't cry. Yeah, I think that's the thing that makes it so close to my heart. Besides the fact that it is absolutely one of a kind, and there is nothing else on earth like this game. I just love. It really, to me, has made me... It's always emotional for me, and I always feel something at the end of that story when it gives you the choice, like, will you hug Azriel or will you not, and, like, will you forgive him? Um, it's just so moving and adorable and sweet. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it definitely makes me feel something in a way that a lot of games don't. I think it's super effective in that way. Yeah, it definitely... It definitely made me feel something. And, you know, if I was in the, well, I was going to say right, but probably the wrong headspace. Like, if I was in a very emotional place when I watched it, I probably would have cried. Because that is definitely something in a game that would would make me cry if I was in a, a bad headspace. Um, but it definitely made me feel something. Yeah. It, um, for me, too, like, this is one of the first games that I played many years ago after i mean you know you know that in college i didn't really play video games at all not that i had sworn them off but i kind of just didn't have time for video games and then i had that insane surgery where i was laid up for months mm -hmm. and that's when our good friend recommended this game to me for like eight dollars and i played it i just played it to death like while i was laying on my stomach and couldn't move uh so it, it came to me i think at a time that I was open to like, well, I haven't played a video game in probably like seven years, like not a new one. Um, and uh, yeah, just it's a special place in my heart. And I think in terms of just gaming on the whole, it has had such a huge impact, you know? Yeah, I can totally see that. And if I, I definitely think there are moments in my life where if I had found this game at those points, I definitely would probably feel the same way about it that you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just hilarious. 
it's so <laughs> funny. Like, I really, really, really like how meta it is at points. Yeah, it's it's hilarious and lovable. Uh, and I'm glad you finally got to see it through. Yeah, uh, Personally. I'm sorry it happened in chunks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm. you know what? I just kudos to you for finishing the rest yesterday. That probably makes it a little bit harder to get through that you're like, all right, I have to finish this story tonight. <laughs> well, and there wasn't much left. I was... Uh, yeah, you were at the tail. I was end. pretty close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, for me, that tail end is my favorite part. Like, I love when you go to the lab and everything is terrifying, and you're like, "What? What? What?" Like, it's such a twist. Yeah, that all of the ghosts and things are coming to life, and you're like, "What is happening in this game?" It's such a, it's such a crazy moment. Yeah, it's a very different feeling than earlier in the game when you're when you're in that area like oh okay this is just nightmare land now that's fine yeah it's it's cool so i guess the things i'll say to finish up are um undertale or no well undertale, undertale is the game we're talking about delta rune <laughs> which is the sort of sequel to undertale has two chapters that are available i think for free on nintendo switch hmm. Um, so if at some point you are looking for something to play for free, those might be good ones, especially to do on the show, um, which is, is cool. He's developing the game in big chunks. Now he has a team of people working on it, but, um, the sequel is in development. You can play the first two chapters now. So I would recommend doing that at some point. That's if you're a good looking idea. For something to do. That's cool. Yeah. And it, and it's interesting because... I won't spoil too much, but you will see a lot of the same characters, but it's clearly not on the same timeline or something. Like, it's... I, I don't even know how to describe it. It doesn't feel like it came before or after Undertale. It feels like the characters got placed into a different universe where they have no idea the events of the first game happened. It's it's a real mystery, so it's it's cool what he's done with the sequel so far. Interesting. Yeah, and like, that makes sense because it's Undertale, but Deltarune is just Undertale mixed up. You know what I mean? So it's, right. it's clever. Huh, that's cool. I might have to check that out. Yeah. Yeah, and I wanted to speak briefly too about the fan universes of Undertale, which I have no idea if you know anything about those. Oh, God, no. Somehow I've managed to stay very far away from Undertale as a fandom. Dude, so I, one of my friends just sent me a video last year that's like a 30-minute deep dive of all of the the Undertale fan universes, and dude... You have no idea. There are at least 10 fan games of this game. They're all set in different universes, and one of them is like Sans got sent 10 years in the past, and one of them is like they all got sent to the future, and in one of them, the main character dies. Like, there are entire novel sized video games that people have made of remixes of undertale it is insanity that's like, wild the, 
it's so wild. Like when I watched this video, I was like, I can't even believe how deep this rabbit hole goes. It's insane. There's like 1500 different versions of Sans, but here's the best part is I have, um, I have a nephew who every time I go home is always asking me about the, he's like, Oh, have you heard of fadeaway Sans? And here's his music. And have you heard this other version of Sans? And have you heard this other version of, Oh, and in this boss fight and this game, like he's always talking to me about these fan universes. And I'm like, Oh my God, how, how it's so, <laughs> so much. It's insane, dude. That is awesome. Though. Um, it's so crazy how much people have done with this game just as fans. It's it's nutty. And I was surprised when I saw a, a prequel comic in the Ukraine bundle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is like <coughs> not even scratching the surface of the iceberg. Jeez, that's crazy. I had no idea. It's, I had no idea until I saw that video. Um, but yeah, there's so much out there. People love this game. Um, any final thoughts on Undertale? Uh, I I feel like I said everything I have to say. It's it's really cool. It's really well done. It's really well made. It's really well really well written. Like it's just very like masterfully done. And you liked it, but you didn't love it. Yeah, I don't know that I'm at love. I really like it, and I really appreciate what it is and what it does. But I don't know that I'm at love. That's fair. I mean, I'll kill you in your sleep, but it's oh, fair. okay. Well, then I love. Well, then I love it. Please don't kill me. That's too late for that. Your words are all fake to me at this point. Oh. Should we talk about God of War? Yeah, hit me with God of War. Let's talk spoilers on God of War. Listen to the words I'm about to say. I am so sad. And I, I already told you this, but it's so worth saying in the episode. I'm so sad that you didn't play the first three games because there are so many things in this game that are referential to the first game or just responding to what happened in the first, not the first game, but the first franchise that make you feel so much, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I I definitely appreciate what this game does for Kratos. I almost called him Thanos for some reason. Uh, <laughs> that says something. Yeah, that was Freudian weird. slip. Yeah. Uh <laughs> I I really appreciate like what they do for Kratos as a character and and with him. Um but I definitely can't like grasp I I can't truly appreciate in its full depth what they really do. Yeah. I will say when Kratos, when Atreus is sick and you go back to your house and you get the Blades of Chaos out from under the floorboards, that might be the the best moment I've ever experienced in video games. Like you have no idea how overjoyed and emotional I was when you start playing with the blades of chaos again. I was like, Oh my God, my fiance wasn't there, but I was like, yo, if you were here, you would have missed me literally pooping my pants out of excitement. <laughs> it was just such a good moment. <laughs> I know even, even I, as someone who didn't play the originals and like, you know, knew about them, knew that they existed and have seen like pieces of gameplay and stuff. Even when he opens that, whatever they're in and you see them, I was like, Oh snap. That's like 
dope. You get his original weapons and like he needs those. That's dope that he like still has them or whatever. Like it's just crazy. So I can't imagine playing this game as someone who played the originals and seeing that <laughs> must have been insane. Yeah. It's it's crazy because they do so much in the game that makes you think like you you feel that Kratos has completely sworn them off. Like I think the first scene in the game period is him he's looking at the bandages on his arms of where the blades of chaos used to be seared to his arms. Um and like he spends the whole game hiding those from Atreus. Um, so when he pulls those blades out, like it's such a quiet, thoughtful moment. There's no dialogue and Kratos is just looking at the blades and like running his hands over the blades. And it's, it's just like a really well directed movie. (laughs) You just feel it so deeply what he's thinking, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and it's so exciting. And, I mean, I don't know how everyone felt about it, but I spent the whole game thinking that you weren't going to use the Blades of Chaos again because of, A, all of the story stuff, but, B, the way that they have revamped and changed the combat feels so different. That's another reason it's cool, is because when you get them, you are suddenly, like, you have a wider reach in combat and you can do more things and you feel more powerful so you're just like oh my god it feels so cool to get the blades of cat oh my god <laughs> it was great i was very excited i really wish i could have been there when when you were playing it and seeing them again oh my god I, it's it was just so like again maybe one of the top three moments i've ever experienced playing a game when you get the blades of chaos again it, it's just so well done I will say this, it felt, I was conflicted about getting them a little bit because once I got them, I felt like I didn't have much use for the Leviathan Axe anymore um, because the Blades of Chaos just had more, like one of the things that's really hard about playing with the Leviathan Axe is you have no range at all. You have to be up close and personal with every enemy, and you have to uh, constantly be aware of your surroundings. And I actually spent the first half of the game being like, oh, I wish I could do something that I could hit like an area of enemies around me to get them off my back. And when you get the Leviathan Blades, or I'm sorry, when you get the Blades of... (laughs) The Leviathan Blades of Chaos. Mixing weapons. (laughs) When you get the Blades of Chaos, suddenly you can reach enemies in a wider way. So it it felt to me like, oh, man, it feels like I just am never going to use the Leviathan Axe again. And for the most part, I didn't, which was sad to me because it feels so well designed. Yeah, see, I did because I like the Leviathan Axe um, and I like ice powers for some reason. Something about ice powers has always been like, oh, that's really cool to me. Um, but I, especially as someone who did play them, like I would totally understand why you would want to just keep using the blades of chaos. 
Yeah, that was the biggest thing, is that it, it felt like it had a bigger range and I was able to have a better handle. Because one of the things you have to do in this game is constantly be aware of where enemies are around you. Mm -hmm. And if there's two enemies in front of you, you can't attack both of them with the Leviathan Axe. You just don't have the range. You can only hit one, so... That was why. I switched back to it to use the magic powers. Like, you can switch back and then use the Leviathan Axe, like the Ice Slam thing. But then I would just go back to the Blades of Chaos. That's fair. Yeah. The thing that I was hoping for and that I would love to see in a sequel is I was really hoping for, like, for like combo moves that would switch between the two uh, oh. weapons seamlessly. Yeah. Yeah, because Wait, like a monster one? hunter weapon. You no, you can switch between them, but like I'm thinking of a game like Monster Hunter or um Bloodborne where you have mm. what are what are those weapons called where they have two different forms and you switch between them? Yeah, yeah. I don't remember what they're called, yeah. but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and I was really hoping that like you could, I don't know, be doing like a square combo with the blades of chaos and then press r1 to get the leviathan axe backs but but when you did that it would do like a slam move with the leviathan axe like i was hoping that those two weapons would sort of combine into a super weapon where you could switch between them which would be like brilliant i hope they do something like that in the sequel that would be really cool to see in ragnarok yeah it would be amazing and maybe it's just because i play monster hunter and that's the type of thing they do in monster hunter but i thought that would be awesome which they didn't do i spent the whole game being like maybe don't do it maybe it'll be, it'll be a cool thing where you can like put the axe in the blades of chaos and then spin the axe around and then throw the axe but you can't do it it so. wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if they did that for ragnarok because when you think about it like like we were saying earlier they directly pulled combat from dark souls and you're referencing Bloodborne doing something similar with the weapons and, you know, Dark Souls and Bloodborne, like, are cousins, basically. So it wouldn't yeah. surprise me at all if they were like, hey, maybe we do this thing that we did in, in or that they did in Bloodborne, but with the Blades of Chaos and the Leviathan Axe. And unless you get a third weapon, I mean, really, what else are you going to do to make it feel fresh? To, to to a certain extent. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, how did you feel about the combat in general that you remember? Um, you know, it was maybe a little challenging at first, um, but I thought it was fun and like not. It wasn't for for being influenced heavily by Dark Souls, a game that I will never play because people tell me how freaking hard it is. Um I did not find God of War to be like super challenging. I mean, not super challenging. Yeah. There were definitely points where I was like, "Oh my god, if I'm beat up, I'm going freaking freak out." Do you remember what difficulty you played on? Uh, probably normal, if I had to guess. Probably normal. Yeah, I felt similarly. Um, if you go straight through the story stuff and only do the required fights, there's pretty much nothing that is challenging, which I think I appreciate on one level. Um, I 
pretty early in the game took an effort to do exploring because like we talked about they're like hey maybe we'll go exploring and a ton of those fights are really really hard if you do them early and i didn't realize like early in the game i did a bunch of those fights and and found some enemies and i got real frustrated and i was thinking in my head oh if these are the early game enemies then what's the late game gonna be like but you're really supposed to return to those enemies later in the game when you're stronger and they mm-hmm. become very easy. So um, I want to ask, did you, are, are you referring to the Valkyries? Did you find, did you do any of the Valkyrie fights? I'm actually not referring to the Valkyries specifically, but I did do four of the Valkyries. Dang. There's, and there's what? Seven of them. Eight. Oh, eight. Wow, you did half of them? I think I did two or three before I was like, no. <laughs> Just no. Well, I did. The first one that I found is, like, the first one they give to you very deliberately because it's behind one of those ice doors, mm-hmm. and you they give you the, the pickaxe to break open the ice doors, and there's a Valkyrie. That one, I think, is designed to be done right then and there. Like, it's not that hard. Um, and then I found the second one. I beat that one. And then the third one and the fourth one, I was like, there's no way I'm fighting these till late game. But maybe ever, they're really insanely hard. Um, But I came back later, like right before I did the final boss type stuff, and they were pretty easy. And I found the fifth one, but I didn't feel like doing it. Uh, So I found five of the eight. And to be honest, the, the Valkyries are decent fights. I don't love how many of their attacks feel like hard to anticipate or random, you know? Yes. Yes. I Cause do. I would say nine, nine out of 10 of the Valkyrie attacks, you can see what they're about to do. You can predict when to dodge or block and you can avoid it. And then every once in a while, they just do one that is not indicated to you that they're about to do something and they just rush and just like impale you super quick. And you're like, but I was doing so well this whole fight and I like knew every pattern. And then they did one that was way too quick for me to anticipate, which was frustrating. Like I, I feel like they didn't test those fights as well um, in the development stage on real players as maybe they should have for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, cause yeah. And I did fight all of the ones for the most part that I found. Um, and I maybe would have done all eight to be honest with you, but by the time I had beaten the game and done a bunch of exploring, I was like, I know there's three more, but like, what am I going to do? Run through every part of the map (laughs) that I, you know what I mean? Like, and there's, there's nothing to find in the map anymore because all the enemies are dead and there might be some collectibles, but it just felt like too much to seek them all out for me yeah i agree with that because like i said i did a couple of them and then i was just like no no yeah i like this game too much to hate it (laughs) yeah right yeah and i i think they're good for because there are definitely people that really like to do those and are like i'm gonna find all eight forget about it Mm -hmm. and to be honest i think that there's a secret ending if you do all eight i don't know for sure but i got the feeling that you were gonna find something big if i'm remembering correctly i don't i don't know that i'd call it like a secret ending i do think that there is something you you are shown something for for doing those 
I don't remember what it is. Um, cause I had a friend who did all eight Valkyries and he was like, dude, you gotta do it. And then I tried and then I was like, no dude, not happening. So he ended up telling me, but I don't remember for the life of me what it is. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe I'll check it out. Um, yeah, which is cool. Uh, but anyway, moving on, I love how much optional stuff there is to do in this game. I couldn't believe when I got to those. Every open part I got to, I was like, all right, I'm going to do some missions and find some people who need help and find some extra islands. And every time I did that, I was like, wow, there's way more than I thought I was going to be able to do until even the very end of the game when I spent maybe like six or seven hours just doing all of like there's a ton of extra islands to find there are two entire realms that are optional (laughs) yeah like i remember when i hit the point that i was like all right i'm doing about i'm doing a bunch of stuff i got all these story missions i got all this cool armor whatever and then i was like there are two realms i haven't even been to yet are you kidding me like i was like what um and they're they're pretty cool. Like I like what they do with them. Did you do any of the the optional realms? I did. Um, I I honestly I couldn't tell you anything about them because again, like it's been so long since I played this game, and I really wish I would have had a chance to pop this game in and play it a little bit before recording. Um, but that's okay. I do think yeah. I do think I'm gonna revisit this game again because it's just talking about it is making me be like, damn game again yeah no it's great so the two optional realms one of them i think is niflheim and in niflheim there's all of this fog and if you spend too much time in the fog then you die instantly um but you have to go into the fog and fight enemies and open treasure chests to get like fog echoes i think some kind of echoes um, and by getting enough of the echoes, you can build really cool armor um, that I think is the strongest armor in the game. And you can also um, unlock. You remember those those like realm tears where you stick your hand in? Oh yeah. And, like the universe opens up. There's three of those in Niflheim that you can unlock if you get enough of the echoes, um, which I think are basically optional boss fights. But what's cool about those is every time you go into the fog, the game is completely randomized. So they just slammed a little roguelike into this game. <laughs> it's just like literally like, here's a roguelike game in God of War. There you go. I was like, what? Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. But in there, I got, I got the armor, which is really great. That made the end game super easy if you build that armor. And I wanted to do the realm tears, but you need to get like thousands and thousands of echoes. And I was like, that's just going to be three hours of me grinding enemies to mm-hmm. get them. And I just don't feel like it. Um, oh, and there's a Valkyrie if you go deep enough into the fog. Oh, which okay. is like, I was like, maybe I'll fight that Valkyrie, but it's a pain in the butt. Yeah. Um, and then the other realm is just literally challenge fights. Like you're climbing the volcano, but there's a big sword and it's like press X to complete the challenge. And then you have to beat a number of enemies in under two minutes, or there's like a specific way you have to beat them or whatever, which was also cool. Yeah. I don't, I I definitely, now that you're talking about it, I definitely did Niflheim. I don't know that I did the other one. Yeah. They're, they're both good. And 
I mean, similar to the rest of the game, it feels really rewarding to do anything that's optional, and you usually get stuff that's really good. Like, you get charms for your weapons that make you, like, sprint faster or increase your health or whatever. But I love that no matter what you're doing, the reward feels really good. It's not just, like, more money. You're finding something that's awesome, you know? Yeah, I hate when you do like little side missions or quests in a game. And then it's like, here's 50 gold. And you're like, what? I did all that work and you give me freaking 50 gold. But this game, you're right. right, is very, it feels very rewarding for it to be like, Hey, here's a charm for your weapon. Hey, here's like an upgrade for your armor or whatever. Yeah. And it feels really purposeful too, because I, for me, I did most of the side missions and I did a ton of extra stuff. And as a result, the combat was significantly easier. I think if you beat, played the game without doing the extra stuff, the combat would be harder. So I think it's meant to be sort of an accessibility option. Like, hey, if the game is really hard for you to just like fight through, go do some missions and the game will be easier for you, mm-hmm. which is like just beautiful design. It's so great. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, Um, but I know, I know, dude, like it's (laughs) it's such a masterpiece. Can I say that in maybe the first two or three hours, I was really, really unsure if I was going to like this game? Really? Yeah, it's um, I feel like this while this game is really beautiful, it took me a lot of time to be able to decipher what I could interact with in the world Mm. and for the first three to five hours i would just like stand in an area and i'd like look around with the camera and i'd be like i don't i don't can i climb can i go over there and interact with that and like it takes you a long time or it took me a long time just to be able to look at the world and say which direction should i probably go it's like so overwhelming to look at you know i get that i totally get that because I've played yeah. games and, like that too. Yeah, and they do a lot, I think, that helps the player like with color. They usually put things that are of interest in like a bright blue or something um, so that it's easy to tell what is interactable eventually. But when I started this game, I was just like, I don't even know what to look at. Like I was just running around like there's so much. Um, yeah. So I guess we should talk about the story yeah (laughs) we spent this whole time talking about like just playing just literally playing it yeah so go ahead and run us through the story of the fourth installment of god of war all right so basically in a nutshell um you meet a goddess named freya who helps you a lot on your journey you don't know that she is a goddess at first uh but she helps you in atreus you also at some point you find what the heck is his name? You're talking about Boulder? Boulder? No, I'm talking about Head. Oh, Mamir? Yeah, Mamir. So at a certain point, you find Mamir, who was this person in Nordic, Nordic mythology. He was some figure that got fused to a tree by Odin, and you, <laughs> you literally brutally cut his head off and bring him back to life and you attach him to your belt (laughs) and he spends the rest of the game on your belt talking to you about everything smack talking (laughs) you the whole time (laughs) 
Yeah, and he talks to the world serpent. But anyway, so you find Mimir, um, and it becomes apparent that you need to... Um, you, you found Mimir at what you thought was the peak of like the highest point in the land where your wife wanted to be her ashes to be spread, but you find out that you actually have to get to Jotunheim, which is a realm that has been sealed off. Um, it's not accessible. So you and Mimir um, and Atreus, obviously, um, spend the rest of the game just trying to unlock the realm of Jotunheim to get to the top of uh, the highest peak in the land. Meanwhile, since the beginning of the game, you are being hunted by Balder, who is another Nordic figure who can't be harmed. That's like his superpower in the mythology. He can't be hurt at all in any way. He's either... I think he's Thor's brother, but for some reason my brain wants to say Thor's son, but I think it's brother. I, he's, I know for sure he's Freya's son, and Freya was, I think, married to Odin. Yeah, pretty so sure he's, he's Odin's, Odin's bastard, son. yeah. Yes, uh, <laughs> to put it nicely. Um, <laughs> Sorry, sometimes so, I forget we're rated as clean, and I say things like that. Yeah, we're fine. We're clean-ish, as long as it's one, I think. Um, so, yeah, the the game sort of culminates in... At the very end, Balder um, is granted the ability to feel pain again because of one of the arrows that was blessed by Freya. Um, you battle it out with Balder. Um, Balder is about to kill Freya, which is his moment of redemption because Freya, you know, Freya is the one who made it so he can't feel any pain. And as revenge, he's about to kill Freya. And at the last moment, Kratos murders Balder in front of her and is basically like, I can't let this cycle of killing parents go on. Um, which is just so, just so heavy. Like that moment is so, I spent so much of this game as I was playing it with my fiance going, God, I've seen movies that are worse than this. It's oh, so yeah. good. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh my God! It's like better than any movie I've ever seen. The, just the scenes with story, you know. And just to clarify, so we don't get hate mail, uh, Balder is son of Odin, and I was pretty close. Uh, half brother of Thor. Half brother. Okay, yeah. Um, cool. So yeah, it's just like that. That moment is like. I know we were just talking about how Undertale is one of the games that affected me the most, but that mi this might be the emo most emotional, effective thing I've ever seen in a video game because you like Kratos just snaps Baldur's neck, and Freya calls him a monster. Like she's just like you're a monster and you'll never change. You're just a brutal animal, which. It's like such a conflicting moment because Kratos is trying to do something noble and he's trying to... Like, Freya has helped him this whole time, so he's trying to save her life, but he kind of makes that choice knowing that he'll be hated and knowing that what he's doing is is ultimately terrible, but that, like, Freya's life is, is more important. And then she says to him, like, does Atreus know anything about your past? which at this moment Kratos has said nothing and he just tells Atreus like 
this is who I was. I murdered my father. All of this stuff. Like, it's just so heart-wrenching. I couldn't believe... I was in awe at this moment. Like, jaw dropped, you know? I'm pretty sure I cried during that that whole sequence. It, it's just... Like, I'm a changed person after seeing that scene. You just feel it so, so deeply. It's wild. And I don't know if this is obvious or not, but to me it seemed like Freya is going to be the antagonist in future games, at least partly, because she hates you. So you've not seen the trailer for the new one, clearly? No. Oh. I have not. Oh. (laughs) Is it? I mean, you can just say, is Freya an antagonist? Well, not that we... I don't think she's in the trailer... But who is in the trailer and talked a lot about in this game is Thor. Yeah, which you see at the end of this game. There's a scene with Thor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they, they make yeah. it extremely clear in the trailer that Thor is your antagonist. He coming for okay. you because you All killed right. his half-brother. Right. And I do want to which... say the design, a lot of people have been pooping on the design of Thor for the sequel, I love the design of Thor because that is what like Vikings would have looked like. He's kind of chonky. He's got a big crazy beard. He looks kind of angry. Like that's in my head. That's a Viking. Oh, I gotta look it up now. Um, the image. Oh, he's like a big fat man. Yeah, he's chonk. He's thick. Yeah, he looks. He looks awesome. Are you kidding yeah, me? People, people hate that design? People don't like it because Marvel went ahead and was like, hey, Thor is god of abs now. Which, I don't know. To me, like I, I'm the type of person that I'm up for any sort of rethinking of a design, mm-hmm. especially with a character that like has mythology. Like It would be boring if they just ripped the Thor from Marvel. Like That would be so uninteresting. 100%. agree and I mean think of it Kratos is jacked like Kratos is ripped and like why what's interesting about being like hey here's Thor he's also ripped so now we just have two beefcakes going at it and they were like okay but what if Thor was a beefcake and he looked like it he looked like all he ate was beef and cake I love that you said ripid. That's my new He's favorite ripid. thing I've heard. <laughs> it's ripid is ripid AF, bro. <laughs> oh my god! You never hit the, the yeah. ed after a word like some baked goods. I have just never ripid. <laughs> ripid, so dude. Uh, bro, I was at the, the gym the other day. I'm gonna get so ripid. I'm so swolled. <laughs> I just really want to go to the gym now and just like turn to some dude who's in way mega shape, like totally jacked. Just be like, bro, I'm going to get so ripid like you someday. Hey, man, you are ripid. <laughs> What's your routine like? Yeah. Tell me about tell me about what do you have for breakfast? Is it like mostly pro mostly proats or what? <laughs> little carbies, <laughs> little carbies, little proties. Low on the fats, oh. the fates. Low on. <laughs> So, yeah, anyway, yeah, so Thor's going to be the obvious antagonist, which is just awesome. Like, what a cool, who doesn't love seeing Thor in a game like this? It's going to be awesome. Yeah, I'm super hyped for the sequel. Yeah. So, basically, all of that goes down with Baldur. Um, You make your way to the top of actual Jotunheim, 
at some point, Sindri and Brock make up, which is very heartwarming. Um, they have like a little reunion, which is just so um, wholesome, surprisingly. Yeah, I love their little B uh, plot. Yeah. And then you make your way to the top. You see a lot of plot, which it's kind of obvious, or at least it was to me, that Kratos' wife was not just some lady. Like, I figured we were going to find out that she's more important, but you find out that she was essentially the leader of the giants. Um, and you have, there's all of this prophecy written on the wall with you and Atreus on it, and it details your entire journey that you've accomplished. And at the end of it, I don't know if you caught this. I had to look it up because they show you for like a half second. But they show you the end of the prophecy, which is Kratos dead and Atreus walking off without him. Did you catch that? Uh, I think I, I, I honestly don't remember. Yeah, it's been a while for you. Mm-hmm. Let's go with no. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I, I literally saw it. Like, they show a moment where Atreus is walking away and Kratos is looking at the end of the story and there's, like, a veil covering it and the wind blows the veil up and you get to see it and then the veil comes back down and it's like, oh, Kratos knew. He, he saw the prophecy, but he's not going to share with Atreus what happened and it's Kratos dead and then Atreus walks away without him, which is, like very ominous that is ominous so i wonder if this is going to be the end of kratos or maybe they'll do another trilogy like a full trilogy and then kill kratos and then atreus will get a spinoff i don't know i'm interested to see the future of the god of war franchise they're making a show you know is that right Mm -hmm. oh i had no idea i think is it gonna be terrible still happening i hope not you'd like to think not for how crazy good this game is <laughs> it's almost like how well written the story is it almost doesn't need a show they do it better in the game you know oh, it doesn't need a show listen half the things that are getting shows they don't need shows yeah right but that's a whole so, other conversation right i think what's going to happen is i think in the next game kratos is going to die and i think they're going to make the third game in the trilogy you play as Atreus, oh. like avenging Kratos. That's what I think is going to happen. Oh, I just got chills. That'd be wild. Yeah. So, yeah. And then basically you go to the top of the mountain, you sprinkle the ashes. Um, you have a very heartwarming moment with Atreus and like the credits kind of roll as you're walking off the mountain. And then Atreus is like, let's, let's go help some people. Like, let's go do some more good. And that's the game kind of inviting you like, go fight the rest of the Valkyries, go do whatever. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just so, it's so touching and it's so, it's so surprising that this game is making an active effort to like leave you with something positive when none of the other games did, you know? Yeah. And that again, and I've, I've said this a couple times now about a couple different things, but it just speaks to like how well done this redemption story for Kratos is done and written for him. Like there's just a lot of redemption and character development for someone who doesn't seem like that should be possible. Yeah. It's, it's super remarkable and, 
you you feel for Kratos so much, especially because you ever notice like well-written stories that have a well-written parent and a child. Like when you were a kid, you only like sympathized with the kid, but now that you're older, you definitely sympathize with the father figure as well. Mm -hmm. Like it's interesting how you don't realize, Oh, when I get older, I'm going to sympathize with the lessons that the father is trying to impart, you know? Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, (coughs) Yeah. So it's great. You also find out that, Kratos's mom. Uh, I'm sorry, Atreus's mom called Atreus Loki to oh, the right. village of giants. That's right. I forgot. Yes. Which, which is a huge plot point. And I looked it up. Loki is not the son of Odin, right. as far as I can tell. Yeah. Yeah. Because when when we watched it, me and my fiance were like, "Is does that mean he's the son of Odin?" And then we looked it up, and no, that doesn't necessarily mean that. Yeah, I. Again, I'm probably going to catch hate mail for this, but I want to say that Marvel actually stays pretty true to Loki's lore in that he's Jotun. L- like, Jotun as in that's his... Loki's or his of, origin. of Jotunheim, yeah. Right, yeah. So, yeah, which is is really great. Um it's crazy. Like, what a what an absolute journey this game is in every sense of the word. Oh, my God. I know. I cannot wait to see what they do with the sequel. I'm so hype. I, I was just like... I, my fiancé asked me, too. She's like, so are you going to play the sequel when it comes? I'm like, I'm going to cancel everything when the sequel comes out. Are you crazy? <laughs> I don't care what I'm doing that week. Everything is, is on hold until I play the next god of war it's so good you realize what's gonna happen right we gotta do a a baby got front log on it oh not just that our worlds are gonna crumble because what's gonna happen is they're gonna be like all right god of war is coming out like november 15th and we're gonna be like yeah that's dope and then pokemon is gonna be like hey scarlet and violet are coming out november 16th and we'll be like no why and then we'll have to do like two baby got front logs back to back because we'll have to have played God of War and Pokemon like the week they come out. Yeah, we'll we'll figure something out. That's totally true though. This this year is going to be like that in general, man. There's so uh but anyway, sorry, let's not get too sidetracked. But <laughs> it's so hard. So many games this year. I haven't even touched Elden Ring yet. Me neither. I haven't touched Triangle Strategy yet. I really wanted to play that game. I'll play that at some point. Oh, yeah. You did want to do that. <sighs> I did. Um, so, yeah, man. So much is well done. Th- random things that I wanted to talk about. I love that whenever you get in the ship, it's just story time with Pop Pop. I can't believe <laughs> how awesome it is. <laughs> Every time you get in the ship, it's just like, all right, it's story time with Pop. And like Kratos tells a story and then eventually Mimir tells stories. Mm-hmm. And like, it's just so fun. Like I was like, I can't wait to get back in the boat and do nothing for 15 minutes while I get to hear a story from Pop Pop. <laughs> Dude, I did the same thing. There would be times. So I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong. When you get out of a boat and someone's talking, they stop talking, right? Like they will be mid-sentence and they'll just stop. So, there were points where one of them would be telling a story or talking and I would just kind of like start going in circles to avoid getting to where I was going. So they didn't get out (laughs) so they could finish what they're saying. 
especially Mimir, like that accent, man. I'll tell you, it's very captivating. Yeah, it seems like they were really smart where they were like, look, we want the boat segments to be like a nice palate cleanser where you don't have to fight anything, but we don't want them to just be super boring where you're doing nothing. So let's make it so that only when you're in the boat is when Kratos allows people to tell stories, and that's when you get to hear the lore about all of the different characters. It's so so cool. It's such a great way to do world-building. Yeah, and you even get, like, certain missions is when you get certain dialogue. I remember one side quest that's optional is when Atreus has a conversation with Kratos, like, oh, man, I can't believe this dead sailor who we're going to seek out or whatever. I can't believe he killed his father. Kratos, like, sits there silently because... (laughs) he killed his father and like he doesn't want to say anything and then atreus is like you know sometimes i get angry with you but like i wouldn't stab you in the back or anything like that and then it gives you like a minute and a half of silence and kratos goes when and he's like when what he's like when do you get angry with me (laughs) (laughs) he's like he's like oh well and he's like no tell me like (laughs) and it's like oh man this is such a great like piece of dialogue that you only get if you go on this mission like (laughs) i totally forgot about that exchange until you said that (laughs) there's so there's so many just like completely memorable hilarious moments just because of how dry he is where kratos is like no tell me when do you get angry with me boy like (laughs) Uh, what if what if very deliberately like missions and missions and missions after that one kratos was just like did i make you angry that time (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah how was that boy (laughs) do you get mad when i call you boy boy (laughs) yeah it's um it's great everybody's believable everyone's lovable you find i love that you find different things like it's not like everywhere you go you get the same collectible like you might find a piece of armor you might find a character you might find uh something that immediately upgrades your weapons you might find a new power up like it's just I don't know, man. The variety that's in there is so wild. And how long did it take to make this game? Like, doesn't it feel like it must have taken them like 25 years to make it? It's crazy. Uh, They say in one of those interviews that I listened to how long the game was in development. And I don't remember. I almost want to say it was revealed in 2016 and came out in 2018. Hmm. I, I think let's that's look it up. I think that's close to being right. I know it was well, I know it see. was revealed like way before it was actually released. Cause you know, video games. Well let's see. God of War three came out in twenty ten. Oh really? Um yeah, and the reboot uh came out in twenty eighteen. So I mean, probably it took them six or seven years i mean i don't know how much time they took in between three and this game to start development but probably the bulk of that time you know yeah i would say i would say like it wouldn't surprise me at all if five years it really it feels like everything has been so well thought out and 
developed so well that they took it, it feels like it took so much time you know oh yeah yeah i mean it looks great it feels great it is great it sounds great it is great it's just great you know that's one thing that i was a little disappointed on was that the music was not filled with bangers like the first three were like really the first three always had like this cool orchestral soundtrack and at the time it was one of the first franchises to have a fully orchestral soundtrack mm. and it would always have this epic like with like the low bass strings and it'd be like I just want to see how long I could do that. <laughs> you sat there so intently. I wonder, I was wondering how long you were going to do it, but then I had a thought, so I started to interrupt you. I wonder if that, and it wouldn't surprise me at all, if they did that very deliberately because this is a, a different Kratos and he's a, you know, he's quiet and he's, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not reclusive. He's... Um, thoughtful yeah that's not the word i wanted it's gonna take too long to get there um but he's just a very different person and so i wonder if the music was part of that decision to make the world feel very different and to make everything feel very different if they were like what if the music was not as like intense or in your face yeah i agree i think it was a better choice but to be honest, except for a couple moments, I don't even really remember hearing the music. Like, it doesn't even occur to me that there was music for a lot of the game. So mm -hmm. it could have been a little bit done a little bit more, I think. I guess we'll see um, what happens in the next one, music-wise. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just crazy. This feels like one of the, the huge pillar of pillars of gaming to me now. Like, you have Dark Souls... And you have God of War. Like, to me, it is that important now, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, just the the scope and how well this game is done. It's just, like, everyone has to play it. It's a must-play. It's just, like, one of the biggest things in gaming in my head now, you know? Yeah, I mean, this game is, this game is incredible. Because I remember feeling that way when I played it, too. Yeah, and I think... I guess I don't know for certain, but I think this game is considered in very high regard that way, yes? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I think so, anyway, yeah. from from my own experience. I mean, I played it on launch, and I think it did very well. Yeah, so, shoot, man. To anyone who's never played this game, please. Do it. Just go, just go do it. I mean, really. Even if you've heard this whole conversation and you've never played this game, it's it's a different experience to actually experience it firsthand, so... Go do it right now. Stop with your... Hey, you're still listening to me. I know that you're listening because you're getting absconded. Stop listening to what I'm saying and go play. All right, they did it. I can safely say. Okay, they'll be they they'll be back in 30 hours. Yeah. Um, yeah, any final thoughts before we announce our next Baby Got Backlogs? No play these games or at least watch let's plays of them do you, like just get involved well, immerse yourself yeah. in the world you, you could play a let's play of undertale or watch a let's play of undertale for sure because it's very it's to me mostly about the story you know that's fair 
Um, yeah, this episode is so is so big for us. I feel we're covering games that are both hugely important. This is the first time we've really covered games like this. It feels exciting. This is certainly our longest episode. Yes. Oh yeah, by a long shot. Please feel free to comment and tell us all of the things that we got wrong. Uh, <laughs> because there's a ton of lore in God of War and Undertale, and we did our best to cover it, but I'm sure we got some stuff incorrect. Yeah, uh, send send your whatever you want to say, as long as they're nice. Just be kind of nice, at least. Uh, we have an email, kind of. It's hallwaygaming, it's two Ys, at gmail. That's H-A-L-L-W-A-Y-Y, gaming, at gmail. Uh, send us f- whatever I don't want to say feedback but like send us things send us love send us recommendations for games you want us to play that we haven't played maybe and uh, we'll be mean I don't have to read them Trevor does <laughs> I'm going to forward them to you <laughs> hey you got Andy you got to read this email and then you're like this is just slamming just me oh my god why why just me what do you mean my voice sounds like a nasally chihuahua? How dare you? <laughs> like, oh, nope, that was for Trevor. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Send mean stuff, too. I don't care. Send whatever you want. Yeah, whatever. Um, should we announce our, our Baby Got Backlogs for next time? Yeah. Um, so next week will be our first official Baby Got front log because we're going to be talking about Pokemon Legends Arceus. Uh, which I have no idea if people are going to be mad because they're going to be like, you guys already talked about that game for a while when it launched, but we're going to actually do a full deep dive of it because we both played it. And uh, hey, if there's something on our backlog that we've both played like recently, it's like, let's Gotta talk, talk about, about it. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, I mean, heck, we love talking Pokemon news and, uh, I, I feel like for me, this game has aged enough that I feel like I can have more of a deep conversation about it. When we did talk about it, it was like, oh, this game came out a week ago. I'm so excited. I get to throw a Pokeball. Yeah, just like you know? that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's well, that's how I remember you sounding. That is actually how I talk. Yeah. Kind of like Kermit the Frog, yeah. but less great and green. Yeah. Yeah. So. We're going to do a full deep dive. Pokemon Legends Arceus. Uh, my name's Andy. I'm Trevor. If you want to find me, you can find me on all social medias at uh, Trevor in the Hall. You follow me find there. Me. Find me. Find me. Find, follow find me. Do it. Do, do all the things. Um, if you've gotten this far, God bless you and thank you. This has been such a long episode, but we spent weeks being excited about it. Um and we're always excited to share. Please share this podcast with a friend if you like it. Please, I, I don't know what else. Rate us on Apple Podcasts. That's what other podcasts say. And Spotify. You can rate on, rate on and, Spotify, too. Yeah, rate us on Spotify. Um, subscribe. Share it with your friends. Send us. I don't have anything more to say. I can't promote it anymore, but thank you. Oh, we love okay, you. thank you. We love you so much. Oh, bye-bye. Okay, bye.